podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAPE preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH HVACTrainingSC.com to inquire. F1's gamble, did it pay off or was it an absolute disaster? If you were paid by Formula One or work in Formula One, you would defend Formula One. If you're a fan, you're absolutely trashing them. And, well, if you're on this podcast in this week's episode, maybe you have many opinions and maybe you won't remember them until you listen back to it. G'day, my name is James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One. For this, the penultimate round of the 2023 Formula One Championship, the Las Vegas Grand Prix Review. And I am joined, oh, I am joined. I don't know how many people I'm joined by, but firstly, we've got the most American-Australian I know, Thomas J. Camp. Welcome to you, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, Fr- yes. how are you? I'm good. Just welcome welcome to you and your Donny Osmond vibe. I can feel it from here. And Freya Brolsma. Well, Hello. welcome. <laughs> I'm here. In case you haven't noticed, hello. No, it's very exciting to be here. This is a weekend that we have been waiting for for a very long time and I can't wait to talk about it. Um, Probably completely irrelevant to how you're feeling right now, but uh, I hear the Cayman Islands are known for having really good parties on boats. Let's get into talking about uh, Las Vegas, shall we? Campy, let's start with you. Um, let's, Let's talk about it broadly. It's been much anticipated. I'm sorry for the gambling pun right at the top. I couldn't help myself. Uh, it's F1's first foray into running a show. A lot of disaster up front, but actually some pretty good racing towards the end. How did you see the whole weekend? Um, I I think you needed to be there to sort of understand the the show and the spectacular that it was. It looked great from TV. Uh, the racing was good. I'm not a there's, – there's a part of this sport which I don't connect with at all, which is the – Richie glitz and glamour exclusivity side of it, but that's a part of our sport, and uh, I'm sure that was on its biggest show this weekend. So yeah, I thought the on track was actually pretty good. I mean, regardless of the uh, the water tap thing coming off the ground, I, look, that's frustrating, but it's happened before. So the water tap, water tap. Uh, well, well, all of the words you could have chosen sounds like my bath. Water tap, <laughs> Freya. Uh, you've been to every American Grand Prix this year except for this one. Uh, why not? Uh, why would I is the better question, I think. Um, Coda, we have starting to assemble some really solid history when it comes to racing and it's also an exceptional track plus Texas, you know. Who doesn't Texas. love Texas? Who can go wrong? Um, exactly. And Miami is an hour away. So of course I'm there. (laughs) Whereas, so, you know, whereas going over to Vegas, I was like, I just, 
the reason for going, um, you know, I couldn't couldn't make the list make enough sense for me to spend the dollary dues to get there, even though those dollary dues drew less and less and less by the day as we got there, which I think is very very interesting. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't handled all that well from selling tickets. And of course, if you actually went to the Grand Prix uh, on Thursday, you were exceptionally disappointed with your eight minutes of on-track action and then being kicked out for FP2. What I found very interesting was the two very clear paths of thought process about Thursday. Those who were on a broadcast and very sympathetic towards the fans who didn't really care about their career in Formula One because they're a Formula One world champion in 2009, Jensen Button calling it out, Martin Brundle calling it out. (laughs) But if you had to work in Formula One and this is how you made your dollary dues to live, uh, you are very quick to defend the actions and bring into safety and all of the lines. Many, many good Simpsons memes floating around the place through Put It In MGUH on Facebook. If you're not part of that meme group, you need to go and get on that immediately. But then, of course, the fan side, uh, who were all of them were very pissed off. Vegas locals have been pissed off for a very long time. I thought it was just going to be a disastrous weekend coming from that point. But it didn't really turn out to be that way. I mean, good luck to uh, Clark County to ever get access to those drains ever again by how much tarmac they poured on every single one of those manhole and drain covers. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully you don't need access because that's a goodbye to that. Um, But what what I'm really interested in now, Campy, is have we just made Miami irrelevant? Um... Yes, probably, because this is clearly Texas <clears throat> is a dedicated racetrack. There's lots of categories that race yes. there all the time. <clears throat> it's on the world stage. It's got MotoGP as well. So that's established. And Texas, all the, the south of America, is, is the home to, you know, massive amounts of motorsport. So this is a different event. I think Miami and Vegas will compete with each other. Um, moving forward, I don't think we need two of them on the calendar. Um, but if we remember to the first year of Miami, everyone was saying, oh, we saw what they tried to do, they just didn't execute it. I think F1 running an event for the first time, I think they would have learnt a hell of a lot of lessons this weekend about what not to do, what to do, what they got right, what they didn't, and uh, could be could be bigger and better again next year. And it's going to be here for 10 years, and F1's definitely made massive investments just in that town as well with their offices and the... Uh, and the pits and stuff like that. So, look, it's here to stay. And, uh, we'll, yeah, as fans, we get to enjoy it. And hopefully we might get to go to it one day. That could be cool. Yes, the three of us reenacting a scene from The Hangover is at the least of what we can do content-wise whilst we're there. Um, one of the three of us already halfway through to feeling like that. Uh, let's go to our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Uh, I have three on behalf of all of us because I couldn't choose. Ross, please stop commenting, honestly, because I keep choosing yours. <laughs> You're I'm too gonna, funny. I'm going to have to stop launch an talking. investigation. Um, I Upon Checo pitting um, through qualifying, uh, I said surely there was a technical issue the why they pulled Sergio in so early. Ross applied a technical issue, it seems. Um, Steen good. also commented that it was uh, the Las Vegas strip sleam uh, I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, and then Ross, at the very end of the race, has anyone heard if Lando reckons he should have won the race today? Very good <laughs> from you. Campy, did you spy anything on the Discord this week? I did, mate. There was one from um, 
Jono, and it says, well done, F1, way ahead of schedule. F1 commits to fan zero by 2030. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Freya, did you manage to see I anything? Had, I had three, okay. but they're not from the race. They are from earlier in the week. Mm. Um, the first one is Sainz got his hole-in-one after winning the next Netflix Cup. Thank you, Anna. Right. You are incredible. Um, always an amazing contributor to our Discord. The next one is, <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't think I can read this out loud and not be accused of something. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, thank you to Beef Mega Cake, who says, This is a great audio podcast. I'm working on it. It says, Man who did this work before, you need to get a money back. Ma'am, that's some shoddy work. I would never have done it this way. They film flammed the roto grotter the, the wrong ways. <laughs> Sorry, I've read that. What is going on? Wrong. What is going on? I agree with you, Bonnie. What the hell is going on? Oh, this is the greatest Beef podcast ever. had me in absolute <laughs> beef mega cake who said, who, Are you trying to read that again? Try again? No, I can't. I can't. I won't try again. I won't. I won't. I'm the ho- sorry. I like that you're holding a I've, pen that you feel like you're going to write some notes down it, as you go I along. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. It's too funny and I can't oh, actually deliver it. Oh, goodness me. This is why you need to join our Discord so you don't have to rely mm. on me reliving these moments in the most imperfect way you can possibly Imagine, but the last one actually goes to Tilly Willie 13, one of our Discord legends. He found a few extra freedoms per hour, obviously, in reference to uh Logan Sargent's qualifying. We love that, Tilly Willie, and you're exceptional every weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. But Beef Mega Cake, you've got it for me, even though I can't <laughs> say it again. You're out you here. You didn't say it the first time, to be fair. Oh, this is <laughs> not alone saying it again. <laughs> Unbelievable well, content. I did it. my best. No, no. everyone stop. <laughs> no, we are moving on. Good God. Uh, <laughs> let's start a Tommy T's television broadcast review. Let's stand up for Donny Osmond, Campy America. <clears throat> oh, how good was the anthem? It wasn't what I expected it to be, but it was very Vegas and uh, just the perfect touch of the weekend. Star Spangled Banner just gets me in the feels every time I hear that. It's great. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. I like the yep. sphere too. Yep. Jeez, imagine being mm. in U2 and actually playing in that place inside it. That was just cool. unbelievable. Yeah, but the sphere was great. Yeah. Uh, Freya, what did you think of the anthem if you were able to catch it? I unfortunately did not catch the anthem. I was watching a replay of this whole thing this morning because it was, and I can't say this to our Australian audience, I know that, but it was not at a palatable hour for us over here. So what I will say about the broadcast, the bit that I absolutely loved the most was Keith and Kylie at the opening ceremony. That was an absolute delight. So I didn't catch just the immediate moments before the start of the race, but Keith Urban, Kylie, before everything kind of went south very quickly and we actually got on track, 
But seeing that many Australians involved in the opening ceremony was just absolutely super. So I was here for that, that's for sure. Let's talk about the actual broadcast itself. It was a terrible weekend for audio quality. And as someone who dabbles in audio occasionally, I was just not having a good time. We'll start with the grid walk. Martin Brun was microphone lead was dodgy. So for the entire time, all we had was uh, interference coming through. Uh, the background track was pl- being played on the podium whilst the three drivers were in the cool-down car, so we couldn't really hear them. We were hearing some random VO coming from the trackside broadcast. And David Coulthard had to share his microphone right at the very end uh, with the drivers, which was just, I, I, how hard is it to have two wireless microphones? I don't know. Maybe it's very hard in front of the Bellagio. They'd spent all of the money on the car and none on being able to get the audio right. Uh, so that was my frustration this weekend. Campy, did you have any frustrating points from the broadcast? Uh, not really. No, I thought it was actually. I thought it was actually pretty good. I mean, laser gives me the shits, and that stuff jacket is wearing. Jeez, <laughs> mate. At least Brundle, that that olive green or whatever it was, that was awesome. Mm. But laser, come on, buddy. Laser just annoys me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you and every single other person, including I think the people on camera with him. Just don't know what the hell's going on. Where are you looking, bud? Uh, Freya, how did you see the broadcast? I only saw end-to-end race. I didn't really catch much on either side of it. But I was fairly happy with the on-track action that they chose to broadcast. So not a terrible experience from my perspective. Um, there was definitely a bit going on towards the back of the field that we didn't see. Like I kind of looked and Ricardo, for example, was in 17th position and then I looked back and he was kind of in 13th and I was like, what went on there? And I never really found out. Um, it might just be a matter of other people pitting, I'm not sure, but um, not terrible, not fantastic. It's a bit of a meh response from me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a solid uh, 5 out of 10. I uh, would give it yeah. less, but the helicopter shots looked incredible. Uh, let's talk just broadly about how this track looks. Campy, you've already said it. The sphere was fantastic to watch. I mean, in terms of a visual feast as a fan watching on the other side of the world at a reasonable time in the afternoon it has to be said as well here in Australia uh I loved it I loved watching this Grand Prix because it was interesting all the time the sphere doing different things obviously all the uh casinos with their lights and the fountains and everything else going I mean there's a lot of people who were just totally flat out against Vegas and refused to change their minds even after the race I mean I think Max Verstappen probably also changed his mind after he won it uh, but Campy, it was a really great thing to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, looked great. Yeah, and neon lights for a redneck like myself. They just when you see neons, they just attract me, <laughs> and I just sort of follow the sense. Oh, neon! That must be cool. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> what to the fight? Yeah, um, the yeah, lakeside was, drive moth. It was great. But quickly on the max, and him being frustrated and disappointed all weekend. I think. That that is a side, and that is a point that is very relevant. He he's a driver's driver. He doesn't care about the glitz and glamour of the sport, although he's got some commercial realities that he has to play in at times. And for him, this was just a big circus where they wanted to put him front and centre, and uh, and he didn't like it. And I think I think I think this sport does 
the under-exploitation of our drivers pretty well, but on weekends like this, they're just a bit hung out to dry. And uh, I think all his points were pretty relevant, regardless of the fact that mm. we're an entertainment sport now and it's about the fans and fan engagement and what people want to see. I Max has a point. And if you want to go into the, you know, F1's trying to model a... A, a certain perspective out in out in the world with the different things that they are signing on to these days. Why would you go and put a race in the, the home of gambling, which ruins people's lives every day and stuff like that? There's one side of it that's over here that's like, yeah, we're really passionate about doing good for society. On the other side, they just shit on the bed of everything else they do as well. And I think that, I think that needs to be pointed out as well. It's not that I'm against Vegas. I've been there. But, you know, I mean... These places make money on the back of people losing and, you know, destroying lives too. So I think Max was pointing out those things in a pretty good way. Let's uh, go through our predictions and just how rubbish we were yet again. Freya, you didn't contribute anything, so I think you are. Yes, we'll get there. Uh, So, Campy, for your front row, we had uh, Verstappen and Hamilton. Uh, and then you put Albon also on the front row, which was really cool of you to do three cars in the front row. Not too far off, though, to be fair. Albon had a pretty stunning qualifying. Both Williams did. Uh, the podium, you had Verstappen, Hamilton, and DR. Well, it's hard to not put Verstappen first. And 10th, you put in Lando Norris, and your wish came true for the podcaster's pox for that one. <laughs> he crashed. Uh, for the front row, for me, I had Verstappen and Norris, which is no good uh, at all. Podium, Verstappen, Alonso, Piastri, also no good, although Piastri had a big, great time, and 10th, Sonoda. So it is now part of the thing. We just have to say Verstappen first. We really should say who's going to come second, third, and fourth, I think, probably for, for the last round. So we're going to, Freya, here is your warning. We're going to say who's going to come second, third, and fourth. Don't do this. For Abu Dhabi. <laughs> At the end okay. of this podcast, it'll give you another 40 minutes to think clicking. about it. Yep. That's okay, I understand. Sound, yeah. I won't think right. about it until a second before you ask me, but I'm still going to click my pen anyway, so I've given it more thought than I actually will. Let's go through our team by team analysis team. Uh, start right at the very back with Alfa Romeo Sauber. Valtteri Bottas qualified in seventh. Stunning qualifying for Valtteri. Finally, a little bit of a win. Uh, they were able to get a, a bit of a tweak to their rear wing, which allowed them to have a little bit more pace, which was good. However, Joe ended up qualifying in 17th, so still off the pace of his teammate. Bottas finished in 17th. Joe finished in 15th. Bottas was just so bloody unlucky, Campy. He had the very slow spinning Alf, uh, Aston Martin sorry, in front of him of Fernando Alonso, who just didn't know what was going on. Um, and then he got collected by Perez. And then uh, in what I think was just the funniest show of frustration, VB decided to punt again into (laughs) Alonso for a second time before they um, reversed out of each other's way and then got on with it. It is just one of those things. I mean, we speak about it. It's the second last round of the year. We've got Abu Dhabi coming this weekend. It's probably not going to be a great race for them. But finally, there was an opportunity for them to do some good towards the front, at least it seemed in qualifying. And then they weren't able to convert. Yeah, look, frustrating for VB, isn't it? I think he's put everything together this weekend, qualifying, put himself in the right spot and for a turn one incident to hold him up and sort of ruin any chance he had of scoring points. Uh, a bit of a shame. He, I, I'm not sure they would have scored points, if I'm completely honest. Just the way the race panned out with the safety cars and, and the way that the, the field had spread out. I mean, at for the first 10 laps after the restart. So it was sort of spread out by about 20 to 25 seconds, which means 
every I think at one stage from second through to sixteenth, everyone was in DRS for a couple of laps. So um, not sure they had the race base to do it, but you'll never know. And he could have got lucky on strategy and done the right things. I believe he started on the hearts. He was the first one in line on the, in the top ten to start on the hearts. So he might have got that right. Um, yeah, frustrating weekend for them. Joe sort of seemed to be off the pace all weekend. Uh, he got lucky with some pit stops in that back of the back marker uh, race. I mean, he jumped Danny Rick a couple of times when Danny Rick was on in front of him on track. Danny Rick got him at the end. But, um, yeah, frustrating weekend for them. And they'll go to Abu Dhabi. And I think they're well-deserved a break. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a good shout. Freya, this is the great equaliser, the great leveller track. No one had been here before to be able to show uh, everyone's skill and the equipment that they had to be able to do some good. Um, it would say that Alfa Romeo's livery wasn't exactly the most genius because it just looked like a Mercedes to a point actually where um, Sky F1 did a Mercedes feature with Lewis and George um, and used probably accidentally the Sauber going through one of the sections of the Las Vegas circuit talking about one of the things because they were confused. So, I mean, apart from that, livery aside, Alfa Romeo, as Campy says, one more race, they're probably just so focused on next year and they want this to be done. At this point, absolutely. They just need to get through this season. It was exciting for Bottas for a bit when we saw his qualifying. We thought that we might see some exciting racing from his perspective, but it just wasn't to be in a combination of lap one incidents and then the rest of their race, just not being able to hold on to the pace of the rest of the pack. So I think very much both of those drivers just looking forward to 2024. And goodness, I hope that we see something very enticing at the start of next year because otherwise it's going to be so hard for both of these drivers to hold on to that motivation um, and obviously everybody always does their best, but to really hold on to that motivation to to push forward because it's not what they've seen this year. Well, this is the 11th hundred uh, Grand Prix for Formula One. And one of the things I think that Joe will be holding on to is that he gets to go to a home Grand Prix next year with China, which was the thousandth Formula One race. Can't believe that was 100 races ago back in 2019. Um, but I'm sure they'll be very excited for that. Let's talk about AlphaTauri. Just wasn't a track that they could activate themselves on. Uh, Danny Rick qualified 14th, ended up in 14th. Sonoda qualified 20th, finished up in 18th. The livery looked bloody fantastic, campy, but they just weren't able to put really anything together all weekend. Yeah, frustrating race for them. Frustrating for Danny Rick off the start. He got caught up in that kerfuffle which Alonso started and uh, he dropped back four or five positions whereas Yuki he got the perfect start and jumped what from 18th to 12th so um, yeah I think they got strategy wrong starting on that medium clearly the uh, the hard compound was the best race tie so I think in hindsight if you had a start on the softs pitted under the virtual safety car or the safety car and then got back to jump you know got to play out your race on two hards. It was the dream. Unfortunately for them, I think Danny Rick was just in no man's land all weekend. Uh, they really struggled to fire up the pace in the car, fire up the tyres to have that consistent pace. Danny just struggled holding on to the cars in front of him, albeit he had Perez and Hamilton and co coming from behind and Alonso who were clearly much faster than him on track. So, yeah, it would have been frustrating for them, but Danny seemed to have some... Um, 
seemed to have some pace towards the back end of the race. He was charging down Magnuson, Holtenberg and uh, and Joe in that cohort. Um, and I think I think the difference between his race and their race was the starts that those guys mm-hmm. had. So he was constantly clawing back time. Yuki, geez, he was abysmal in qualifying, wasn't he? And uh, he wasn't much mm-hmm. better in the race, if I'm honest. I think after that safety car on lap 30, he still finished 35 or 35 seconds behind Danny Riff on track, which I'm not sure if there was an incident or he pitted again. But, yeah, he was abysmal this weekend. It's a shame for the team. I, they would have been hoping to score some points back on Williams and possibly get that seventh, point, seventh place in the constructors. But it just, yeah, well, what do you do? When your car's that bad and it's performed fairly well, reasonably well over the last sort of four or five races, uh, they would have been expecting a bit more, but it didn't happen. It's coming really down to the wire for a couple of teams now and positions in the championship. Some people scoring that didn't expect to score, Lance Stroll, for example, uh, and uh, some teams not scoring at all, even though they were so far up the grid. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Stroll in just a minute. But in terms of the Constructors' Championship, for Alpha Tauri, of course, chasing seventh. Uh, Williams are on 28 points in seventh. Alpha Tauri are 21 points. Not unachievable for Alpha Tauri to get that seventh position this weekend in Abu Dhabi. It's a track that probably suits their car more than the Williams. And uh, if Yuki and Daniel are both able to score some points, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's probably a little bit more traditional track-wise. But again, anything could happen. It's almost a shame for Williams they weren't able to convert. Um, Let's keep going. Let's talk about Haas, Freya, because that's a little bit something to talk about for a change. Um, A car that normally uh, overcooks its tyres, funnily enough, heating its tyres quite nicely for qualifying. Hulkenberg qualified 13th, Magnussen in 8th. Hockenberg um, ended up wanting to go to the casino early, so drove straight off the track um, with uh, Yuki Tsunoda is also, um, although positioned 18th, didn't finish either, I should say. So they both drove off the same part to go on to Kimi's yacht together. Um, but this is, though, effectively a tale of very familiar story for Haas. Even though it was quite cool temperatures, they still killed their tyres. Magnussen finished in 13th after what was probably their best hope for points, probably in the second half of this season. Well, I think between Haas and Williams, who of course we'll talk about in a minute, they were both looking forward to this track actually when you look at its design and how it might relate to tracks like Monza and how that fed into their qualifying ability and then how they might be able to use strategy to ensure their position on track because, as you said, they've got they've had great qualifying um, kind of speed across the year, but when that doesn't just doesn't translate to race pace for, quite frankly, either of those teams. So I think this is where they thought that they might be able to do a bit more with that once they had secured that qualifying position and we, and we just didn't see it. So I unfortunately now as opposed to, talking about Haas in the context of potential for the rest of the season, and of course we only have one race left, that is the team that instead we're talking about being quite grateful that their season is about to come to (laughs) a very close end and talking about what they might be able to achieve next year. But at the same time, you know, I don't think any of us are going into next year suggesting that anything different is really going to happen. I think we are likely to see them come out at their absolute best in their first three, four races, and then they're unlikely to have the um, 
production ability to develop and, you know, see their increase in speed over the course of the season. So it's it, it just feels like a, a year on repeat in a, in a certain way and I feel like we might see it next year as well. But it was very exciting, especially with Magnussen's qualifying. That was um, to see him through to, to Q3. It was intrigued to see him, what he might be able to do with that, but uh, it wasn't to be when it comes to him being in the points. Campy Williams. Sergeant sixth, Albon fifth, fantastic qualifying, yep. terrible race, Albon twelfth. Um, last ten laps, Alex just lost it, couldn't couldn't get the car under control in the way that others around him could. Logan finished in sixteenth. I mean, that qualifying was outstanding, and what a boost! Right, you spoke yeah. about F one stopping stopping the unluckiness towards Logan Sargent. I think they finally listened at their own Grand Prix. Um, James Vowles was over the moon, of course. I think the stat was this is the first time that they've qualified um, fifth and sixth since Brazil 2014, which I think was yeah. Bottas and Felipe Massa from memory. Uh, that is that's a long time coming. What it does mean, though, is Dalton Capital, their third home race, will be happy that this is moving in a forward direction whilst the race players needs to be sorted out. If nothing else, Vegas offered us a top 10 from a qualifying point of view with two Williams um, and eight teams qualifying the top 10. So Williams collecting two of those spots, which is pretty dominant for them. Fantastic to see. But they just need to convert the other side. But it's good news, Campy, though. Like this is proper forward progression that we're seeing here. Oh, we've seen the trajectory of this team's on since, what, four or five years ago when, you know, Clear Williams is running the place and Paddy Lowe came into the team and ruined it even more than what it was and moved on <laughs> and we've spoken about that heaps. But, I mean, look, they'd be stoked. They would be absolutely stoked about where the car is going and the trajectory that they're on. Um, we knew this track was going to suit them over one lap and I think they, they the car fell away on the last 20 laps really badly, but it may have been a different race for them if we didn't have the safety cars and the incidents that we had, which bunched the packs up. Um, you know, a lot of the lead that they might have generated over their their true race competitors, you know, they might not have got them if, if the race had played out, you know, lights start to finish without any interruptions. So um, when Albon, I think it was Monza when he, qualified P6 and he said, oh, I still wanted more. I'm a bit disappointed. I think they'll have that same feeling this weekend. But overall, I think they've had a good year. Got the right, clearly the right structure at the at the top with the principles and the, however, the off-track, the, the business of the side of the sport's working. They're doing really well. So uh, I think if they pick up another driver and instead of Sargent moving forward, just someone that will push Albon a bit more. It'll be so much more beneficial just for the team moving forward. And um, they'll look back at this year. With, they've had some fond memories. They've had some low lows, obviously been some disappointments, but uh, they're scoring points. They'll probably remain in that seventh place in the constructors. And there's a big jump to that, you know, the, the Alpine to be competitive with them every weekend. To that next bracket of cars, but uh, I think they've got the right personnel in place to do so. So, um, kudos, claps to them. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It, it is great to see Alex Albon, obviously one of the nicest people in the world of Formula One, too. So, that that is really fantastic to see. Let's talk about McLaren because uh, there is still a fight here for Aston Martin and this uh, position for fourth in the Constructors' Championship. 
worth some millions of dollars. Piastri, not a great qualifying for him, 18th, but he did finish in 10th with fastest lap, so gets multiple championship points for this, which is very exciting. Um, And some of the best overtakes during the race. Um, didn't care if the if the track was ice straight after the safety car restart. Yeah. Boom! Just I'm just overtaking whoever I want. Get out of my way. Um, the fight with Lewis. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but they both suffered punctures. Which anyway, it, it was just this is the piastri that we love. Um, and he's really starting to come through. Lando Norris started in fifteenth again. McLaren just had a terrible qualifying. Um, they knew it. Zach Brown was on the pit wall this weekend. Said to Sky that uh, they were pretty sure they weren't going to get that far up the grid, but. You know, Oscar was doing some great things, especially on that hard compound tire. Um, of course, he had a DNF. Uh, he lost it. Just poor car placement, it seems. There was a bump on the track that um, he hit at a different angle than everyone else had, uh, which just caused some a moment of unsettling the car, which means he lost the rear of the car. The rear started to overtake him into the barrier, and then he was just a passenger at that point. Um, pretty big crash. He was discharged from hospital about. 50 minutes or an hour after the race had finished. So still had to go through some checks. It was pretty big, but can't be for McLaren. I mean, this is the first time since Austria, which is a very long time ago now, that uh, they haven't shown that they are at least the third fastest car on the grid. Yeah, I think qualifying was frustrating, but a lot of positives to take out of it. Piastri had some genuine race pace on that hard compound. We didn't see much from Lando because he crashed out early, obviously, but... um. Oh, I think a bit of frustration with that that move from Lewis. I just think it, it just didn't need to happen. It was mm. clumsy. It was just, clearly Lewis was faster and was going to get him at some stage. And to make contact like that, and I put the I put that solely on Lewis. That was all his fault. Mm. Um, it's just too aggressive, and there was never enough room there to do it. It ruined both of their races. So it would have been interesting to see where they got, because they got strategy right, you know, on the hards and, you know, with that, if they had a stayed out until that 25 or 26 or whatever it was until that next safety car come out, uh, it would have been great. But, hey, he showed some really solid pace. That move on Gasly was excellent. It was icy and you could see the car skating all over the place and it was very close to being all over for him in that race. But, um, yeah, we, we saw the, the pace that they had. They were able to hold on to the Ferrari and the two Red Bulls in front of them, and uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard move from Max to get the job done when he eventually overtook him. But he, uh, look, he held on. That's what we want to see. So I think there's good signs for McLaren. It's just uh, I think the qualifying really ruined their whole strategy this weekend. Although they got a good start from where they started. I mean, they're in P10 and P11 straight off the bat. So. They were the cars that avoided all the carnage and go on the inside and, you know, sort of overtake five or six people in the in the process. So frustrating weekend. They'll be looking forward to the next one because they think they'll be strong in Abu Dhabi, which means Oscar could be on for a podium and finish the season on a high and come back with all the confidence in the world to win Melbourne next year. How good would that be? Yeah, it would be very good. Uh, Freya, I mean, McLaren sort of between a rock and a hard place in terms of strategy. It wasn't, wasn't great for Oscar, but it wasn't terrible going hard, hard and then having to do medium, sort of forcing their hand towards the end of the Grand Prix. Safety cars coming out. No one can plan for that. It's really the only reason why Max Verstappen won this Grand Prix is because of the second safety car. We will talk about that in just a bit. But otherwise, as I said earlier, the great equaliser and Piastri really had a fairly decent 
time out around this racetrack. Um, it would have been good to keep Lando in the race just to so we could have had a comparison in terms of lap times <laughs> around um, just for his point of view. But, I mean, McLaren would have got as much data as possible for this year and for this track. Uh, Zach Brown also said you don't design your car for everything. You design your car for the majority and this is not the majority. But, yeah, I mean, shame for Lando but really happy for Oscar. Honestly, I think from an Oscar perspective, he 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 raced really bravely this weekend. They had such little grip. They had so little information and he went for it at every single opportunity that he had, whether that was on KMAG or Hamilton. You know, he was considered like, he was considerate, but he also didn't hold back in a lot of ways. And so I actually think the racing from Piastri this weekend was brave. It really, really was. And I think for him to end up where he did, obviously in comparison to where he qualified, was pretty astonishing. And they had so little information as to how those tyres were going to respond and behave this weekend that he did the absolute best with with what he had. And, you know, when you think about his battles with KMAG, with Hamilton, Again, I just I think it was pretty impressive. I think he got as far up as they could have hoped. And they get they gave him very little time, especially after his last pit stop, to try and make those final places up. He only pitted six laps before, you know, we saw the checkered flag go. So he had so little time to try and make up those last places that I think he did, you know, as good a job as as we could have expected. And obviously when it comes to Norris, look, I think he was Quite frankly, where, where he where he lost the car, it was lucky that he had the runoff and the small bumps in here and there that he did take so much speed out of the car that the final impact was not as significant as it could have been because as much as I'm not the biggest Lando Norris fan, that doesn't mean you ever want to see him you know, lose out significantly in, in an incident. And so when you see an impact like that, you just go, well, the way it happened, thank goodness you had a lot of speed scrubbed off before you actually made that that final impact. But, look, I think at the end of the day they've got one, one more race left. They're going to leave this season with a lot more confidence than some of the other teams will in terms of how have they have finally understood this set of regulations and how they're going to attack next season. So it's been, there's been some ups and downs. And um, I think this track as well as exposing, you know, some of the real strengths within Piastri and his racing ability and racecraft, it's also exposed some real weaknesses in the McLaren car as it currently stands. And they can take a lot from that when it comes to adjusting their approach for next year. Before we take a quick ad break, if you'd like to support the show and you're watching on YouTube, you can see two of the three of us, not me for once, wearing some merchandise. Uh, You can get a Lakeside Drive top or you can get a Legends hoodie, uh, which is what Campy and Freya are wearing. And there's a handful of Lakeside Drive cord caps left, um, which I will be able to physically ship out this week because my cast comes off tomorrow. Thank the Lord. (laughs) I actually have to have the ability to drive a car again. Um, let's take a quick ad break. We'll be back in just a second. And we're back. Let's talk about Mercedes. Uh, Russell qualified third, finished eighth. Hamilton qualified tenth, finished seventh. Lewis was on uh, a mission to get himself up the grid. Uh, we just spoke about his interaction with Piastri. It was a bit too keen. Um, 
George suffered a five-second penalty uh, applied for the collision with Verstappen Campy, who, uh, and Verstappen said this on the radio and then in the cool-down um, Rolls-Royce podcast edition car, that uh, George probably just didn't expect him to be on the inside when he turned in, and um, which Perez also kind of did with Charles at the last corner, uh, second to last corner rather. Do you think that Mercedes would be happier now this weekend after what Toto called a really bad weekend in Brazil? Uh, not really. Fourth on track for me, well, who cares about fourth? You know, they're Mercedes, they're, they're world championship and world drivers championship winning machines in the last decade would suggest that. These sort of results aren't good for them. They'd be frustrated as a team. Uh, Lewis and his incident, I mean, Lewis was Lewis has, Lewis has been cracking in the second half of this year. He's really, you know, found that form that we know he's always had. And I'm not sure he was driving poorly beforehand, but the car seems to have come alive a bit. Uh, Russell... Jeez, I think he's given up the ghost a bit. That 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 crash he had with Verstappen, that was lazy. That was not doing the right things that he should have been doing into the corner. Oh, I don't care if he didn't expect him to be there. Max Verstappen had been up his backside for two or three laps beforehand, and he was always going to make the move. We're watching it on TV, and to not have that awareness in the car and do that, yeah, it was just lazy. I think, I think the second half of this season for me has proved that Russell might not be the guy that Mercedes wants to take moving forward into the future post Lewis Hamilton's retirement. I just, yeah, I'm not sure he's there. He makes these critical mistakes all the time. We had a big conversation about that a couple of weeks ago. Think back to Singapore, or he crashed out with what, one lap to go. These incidents will ruin his race, and he just needs to be better, get better, George. Or take your shirt off because it'll make you feel better. <laughs> There has to be something, though, I think, to say for everyone in the paddock, but also for these drivers who probably have no idea what time it is. uh, I think we saw a couple of errors that maybe wouldn't have happened if you weren't putting cars on track at three o'clock in the morning for a free practice session. I just feel they probably weren't as withered towards the end of the race, which is when a lot of these mistakes happened. Uh, and they were Not that I'm defending George's actions one or the other. I'm just taking into consideration that they would have been very tired come the end of the Grand Prix and doing the 17,000 media and sponsorship appearances that they would have done at every casino up and down that strip. Um, it's a Freya, job. <laughs> Freya, for, for Mercedes... And Toto Wolf, have you got anything to uh, to add for Toto specifically? Oh, like I think at the end of the day, like Hamilton obviously worked for every single position that he bloody got at the end of that Grand Prix. Like he worked really hard for it. And there were some fun and impressive overtakes along the way. So Hamilton gave us some grace racing, if, if nothing else. Um, when it comes to Russell, like I, I do, I think he's a very – very good driver. Did he deserve to be in a top team? Absolutely. Is he this protege that people have talked about? I don't know. That's yet to be proven for me. I think when it comes to next year, he has, he is probably the driver with the most to prove as we go in to 2024. We've got others, even Oscar Piastri in his first year, you know, he is towing it like no less than three tenths behind Lando Norris most of the time. He has nothing but justified his place there. Whereas Russell, does anyone question whether he should be in F1? No, but in a in a top team, it's a really interesting question. And I think when you look at the performance of somebody like Alex Albon this weekend, 
his defense was incredible until he had you know, one little moment and and sure that that cost him greatly because two cars came through but he has shown his absolute potential as a driver um in a way that I don't think that that Russell has but we'll we'll see what they work with next year um and if the cars are on a similar spec and that type of thing I don't don't really know but Toto I found fascinating as an individual in terms of his um you know press conference deliverance and the things that he said there in terms of you know let's see what he he was just spinning all of the lines and I think whilst he just doesn't have to right like there are enough people from Las Vegas Grand Prix and from Formula One saying what he said that he doesn't need to we don't need to hear this from you Toto and of course let's be clear if that manhole situation had happened to Lewis Hamilton or to George Russell, he would not be spinning the same line. It's it's as clear as anybody could possibly see because it didn't affect them. He was in support of everything else that went around it. But because it didn't full support and I just you'd have to pay me so much money to believe that he would have said the same thing if it hadn't affected one of his two drivers. Like just not a chance. Hell will melt first. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso, ninth and ninth, which is pretty good considering he had his very slow spin causing Bottas's issues early on. Lance Stroll, 19th to back-to-back fifth positions. Campy, is he making up for being absolutely wo- woeful? And instead of no. his one in nope. ten or one in twenty-one races, nope. it's now his one in five seasons. Yeah, well, it's two in five seasons, and I expect him to absolutely shit the bed next weekend. So yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Look, <laughs> Stroll got lucky on strategy, and this is what Stroll does when he gets good results. Strategy's good, keeps his nose out of trouble, and things happen for him at the right time. Hence why he was in the positions he was in. He probably should have held on to fourth. If he was an A-class driver, he would have held on to that spot and not let Russell get him. So uh, he's look, <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't want to talk about Stroll. That guy just annoys me. Um, Alonso, <laughs> frustrating weekend. What a move off the start. Mm. If he had made that, if he had made that move oh. stuck, Oh, it was awesome. And you could see what he was trying to do. The gap opened up for him. It was like the yep. Red Sea party, put his car in the perfect position, <laughs> put his foot on the brakes and the rear diff just locked up and spun him. Ah, it's frustrating for him. And he was really – it was a good recovery drive in the end and uh, considering, I mean, Piastri and Carl, I mean, Piastri was about 10 seconds behind him on track in the end of the day. Considering where they come from, I think he uh, probably got the best out of the car. For his lap one incident, frustrating for him though. Yeah. Uh, look, Aston Martin still in this this hunt. Mike Crack said last weekend in Brazil that they still think that they can hunt down fourth position. McLaren are uh, in fourth currently with 284 points. Aston Martin are in fifth on 273. Now, it is going to be difficult, but it is achievable. So here for that. I'm, I'm excited that there are battles up and down this Constructors and Drivers Championship to be able to look at. Let's talk about Alpine. Jeez, I tell you what, what a reverse set of circumstances. Pierre Gasly qualified like a boss, best driver on the grid, qualified in fourth in uh, in a car that had absolutely no place being there. Sadly for him, finished in 11th. Esteban Ocon 
which I can only assume powered by the Deadpool helmet and the the, the vibe of Ryan Reynolds, uh, qualified in 16th and finished 4th. Freya, no team principal, but actually some results this weekend. So this was really interesting for me because we had that message that came through late, I think, when it came to them saying, no, 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 like hold position. But at the point at which we saw it on the broadcast, they were actually racing. And before that message came through, I was sitting here thinking, let them go, like let them race. I loved it. Like what is the point of not letting them race at the, this point of the season? There's, there's so little to lose and just let Ryan Reynolds pay for fixing it afterwards. I don't know. Like <laughs> just let them go and have a great race. I absolutely loved it. And then that message came through and saying that one of them had hold, oh. been told to hold position. I was like, oh, here we go. Like just as you expect, there was some sort of, you know, politics behind it. And that is actually quite intriguing, though, at the same time. But at this point of the season, I just go, what have you got to lose? And Gasly's going to be pissed off at the end of this. And he obviously he obviously had issues towards the end of the race and he dropped places very, very quickly. Like it looked like he was going in the pit lane at the rate at which he, you know, dropped rates, dropped um, places on our screen. But um, it was the first time I got excited about this team for most of the season. So whatever, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Campy, I dare ask you about Alpine, but anything to add over oh, look, the fact Ga- that Ockham was able to, to put some good points Gasly had that white flag of surrender up from about lap 40. He given up the ghost. He was <laughs> done. And uh, I look, and I like the fact that Ocon disobeyed. Look how his pleased team. you are with yourself. Oh, can't look how exactly. pleased you are You're with yourself. So happy. You can't tell <laughs> yourself. You love. You love. <laughs> Could you remind that. you that he qualified for? Hey, great! Oh, just your on face. a track that's like great. got a three-kilometer straight on it. You know, any car with no <laughs> downforce can do it. Right. Look at the Williams. And they've got. Oh God. Oh, look. Who cares? But I like the fact that Ocon <laughs> defied his team you do. <laughs> and made the move that he did because it was a multi-corner, you know, multi-lap, yeah. you know, little battle they had and it was good to see. But Ocon extracted some pace out yeah. of that car that I don't think we've seen in a long time. I suspect Gasly had worn out his tyres, hence the pace drop off. And, uh, but, yeah, good result for them, I think. All right, let's talk about Ferrari. Uh, poor old Carlos Sainz uh, qualified in second, which many qualified in 12th, started 12th, I should say, uh, finished in sixth, a very good recovery drive from him. Charles Leclerc put it on pole, so of course that meant he wasn't going to convert it. He finished in second with arguably a very, I mean, Sergio Perez has performed in the last two weekends the closest battle of not coming out on top uh, that we've seen for quite some time going into the last couple of laps. So, this Ferrari, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, I think probably should have been the favourites to win. And if Carlos was up towards the front and they managed to get Ferrari strategy right, which they didn't because of a safety car, what a surprise, then maybe they could have actually put out a 1-2 here and fended Verstappen off. But that wasn't to be the case. Let's talk a little bit because there is so much anger and pain about this Carlos Sainz issue with the drain. Um, My heart is hurting. Let's put the facts out there. 
There was a yellow flag for a very long time. No one was told what it was for. Then for the drain, and then Carlos ran over the drain. So did Esteban Ocon. New chassis um, required for for Ocon, but also for Carlos, they had to change battery, bloody power unit, everything. He had so many things go wrong, and it looked absolutely terrible. Um, he was given a 10-place 10, 10 grid penalty because he was changing parts outside of the pool of allocations. Okay, the steward said, we don't really want to give him a penalty, but we have no choice. It is what the legal ruling is, so we have to. Um, There was then reports of people having a vote, the teams having a vote to see whether or not. Apparently that didn't happen. Mercedes didn't vote no, but if there was such a thing, they probably would have done because it would have been a legal challenge. Toto. So (laughs) it just feels, it feels dirty at one point, Campy, because... This this is a, this is the race for fans, right? This is to bring the popularity of Formula One up, and this happens, and that then creates the whole drama of FP two and fans not being around and all that kind of nonsense. But do you think he was able to handle it quite well, actually? And his drive coming back was indicative of probably the pace he could have had if he was towards the front. Uh yeah. I, look, it would have been interesting to see both Red Bulls and both Ferraris battling up the front. I mean, Max had a rear gunner or a front gunner that he was charging down, but I think Carlos handled himself really well. He was super frustrated. <laughs> if I was him in that position, mate, I would have, you know, the whole of Germany probably would have hated me by the end of the weekend for things I would have said about Toto. But, again, facts are important. They didn't have He's a from Austria. Austria. Oh, He's from Austria. So How when you say you Germany, you actually mean Austria. They're the same good thing. Lord. They're right next to each other. So. Oh, and I, and I could form, could find oh. them on the lap. But, um, look, a bit of common Would you like sense. to take out on Portugal and Spain? On the lap. Oh. On James's lap? Or whose lap are we talking about? Sorry, Fra. I have another drink. This is you. fantastic content. <laughs> um, <laughs> A bit of common sense in these. Oh, good God. Everyone knows that it wasn't his fault. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's devastating for him. He's trying to get results and blah, 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 all that. I think the problem with – this is the problem with Formula 1. There's always going to be politics involved and there's always going to be politics played and it can be a dirty game sometimes and the reality is that is part of our sport and you have to put up with it. On the other hand, Ferrari's played this card thousands of times before to other teams. So <laughs> whilst I think it is wrong what they did uh, and the decisions they took, suck it up, Ferrari, because you've dished this out to teams thousands of times before and you've got a veto vote on everything that you want anyway. So there's a bit of a catch-22. Whilst I don't like what happened to Carlos, I can understand it happening to Ferrari too and I probably would have done it to him. Dickhead. I really, I really loved watching Charles drive this weekend. He was on it from the beginning. Uh, He had a lot more confidence, I felt, than a lot of other drivers uh, just because I think he wanted it more than anyone else on the track this weekend. And that, the the way that he was braking so much later than Verstappen when Verstappen put that um, move on to him into one was just like simply beautiful to watch. The livery was gorgeous. Everything about Ferrari this weekend was great. It was just really felt for Carlos. Um, although Carlos's hair just, of course, looked absolutely super Saiyan perfect when he came out of that helmet after qualifying. Let's wrap this up with Red Bull. I've got I've got Ferrari comments. Can you just not? I just like, am I pretty sure that, am I sure? I don't know. You guys can tell me. Am I sure that Leclerc <laughs> is the first person to actually overtake Max on track 
for the lead this season, like in a race. Like, to see that him. happen. Didn't overtake him. Happened in the pit stop. It did. It happened in the. It, it happened in. Oh, it did too. Yeah, but Max had problems, so it doesn't matter. He did. Oh, he did. He did. I think he actually to, did. I th- let's conflate both of these and say Max knew he was coming into the box, so I didn't bother challenging him and sure, let but and let Charles burn at, his tires a bit. At the same time, he overtook Max on track yep. for the lead, and that is the first time that has happened this season, and that gave me a big like fucking go, Carl, fucking Charles, go. Like, yes, I was very happy about that, and. Obviously, Charles coming back in that last, very last lap to take second. Like it just driver of the day, you can split it whichever way you want. He drove like an absolute champion today. And I think he had everything against him to suggest that he wouldn't. And I think it was just very exciting to see them nail everything as a team, nail everything as you know his own his own garage. He didn't have a teammate behind him to in behind him or in front of him, Campy, to support him front running or back gunning or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> he had his own race that he had to nail, and even when he had you know Max's um, you know engineer saying, "Can you lower the gap to to Charles?" He still managed. To get in there, and so I was so much more impressed than I usually am by Ferrari's performance this weekend. But also, Carlos's glittery stripe down the top <laughs> of his helmet this weekend that deserves a mention of its own because it was bloody phenomenal, as phenomenal as his hair. Now I will stop talking. As phenomenal as him dropping the cup for winning the golf thing at the beginning of the week, too. Uh, yes, Ferrari did stuff up. The strategy of the safety car should have pulled Charles in for new boots. Um, have, yep. And I, I did enjoy looking at Charles's face when Max and Checo both said, yeah, we both pit under the second safety car. And Charles was like, oh. Oh, my gosh. Um, of course. But yeah. up until that point, you know, Ferrari were doing okay. But Red Bull, let's let's finish with these guys. Of course, Verstappen uh, qualified second, um, finished first. He had a five-second penalty for pushing Charles Leclerc wide. Oh, no, Is that did. enough? Oh. We've had this. There's there's plenty of conversations about that. Uh, he didn't have the grip. He pushed anyway. Um, what happened though is again the safety car. The second safety car is what aided Max Verstappen to win this Grand Prix because he I think if it didn't anyway. happen, Charles would have probably. No, I don't know. Charles Charles's defense and that Ferrari power unit with the uh, with the rear wing that had minimal Boys, downforce on children, it is fast. Well, you can roll your eyes, Campy, but just have a look at it. <laughs> Verstappen uh, had a less re- less of a rear wing though than Perez, which is the reason why Perez couldn't pull away when he got past Charles. Uh, Perez qualified eleventh, finished third. Verstappen, of course, just being the dominance that he has all week. Uh, any anything to wrap this one up with, Campy? There is no way that Max deserved a five second penalty for that. It is a lap one incident, and yes, he did. Both of them locked up. Oh. Both of them had no grip, and that's why they went wide. If Charles had more grip, he should have got on the gas earlier and gone around the outside. Charles had nowhere to go because he was trying to slow down too. Max was on his inside and never had the position off the start to make that move. Never. Uh, sometimes I wonder what Grand Prix you're watching. Uh, no. I'm with I'm with you, Freya. He absolutely put like he just pushed him off the the track and absolutely then absolutely pushed him off the track. Oh, they didn't he also even touch. exited the. He, yeah, but they both left the track, Campy. That's the point. If 
I understand what you're saying. There's no grip, and Fernando it's, experienced it's, all it's of that. Carlos Sainz experienced that because of the lack of grip, because of the oil that spilled out in the for, in um, the uh, drivers' parade lap. If it, Max look, hadn't have won seventeen thousand races this year, it wouldn't have been a question. <laughs> what was it, interesting, Freya? Let's let's just talk some sense. What was really interesting? Five seconds. There's there's often conversations about that's not enough, ruins his race, blah blah blah. But the field was so condensed in the pit stop that he served it, that he actually had to, he lost quite a few positions and then had to fight it back. But it then shows the dominance of Max Verstappen in his car that he absolutely has full control over to get back up into the position that he did. A hundred percent. So for one, he absolutely drove Charles Leclerc off the track. No doubt that is, you watch every single angle, that is what happened. I agree, neither of them had any grip, but at the same time, if they knew they were going to go into that race straight off the you know formation formation lap and then going into the lap one, they knew they the limitations of the group that they had and he shouldn't have been making that move. He knew that one thousand percent from the start and he forced Charles into that position. Um, I think it is a very tricky penalty to give after you are that far into the race because as you said like yeah sure he was a couple of seconds ahead and then he lost it back but there is nothing like having to give that place black at the start because it changes the course of the rest of the race it changes what order you are going to pit in it changes who's responding to whom and I think that having a delayed penalty in that way will never serve in the same way that it does when you have to immediately respond to what has just taken place. Um, and what they gave is probably the best that they they could, but at the same time they should have, in, in my view, I think they should have responded significantly earlier. Like it took far too long for them to make a decision as to, to what had taken place, again, because it dictates what might happen for the next 10, 20 laps. That said, what Verstappen then had to come back to, as you said, James, just shows his absolute dominance in this car. He worked very hard for the decision that he had today. It was funny at the end of it when they then asked him to close the gap if he could to Checo in order to allow him to create that gap from Charles, which ultimately didn't work. But I thought about it going back to the start of the race thinking that, you know, you'd lost a position off the start potentially and how that might have played out to then once again be at the end of the track and have time to give to your teammate behind you just made me laugh because it's just such a sign of clear dominance. And if his response says nothing else in terms of like, yeah, fine, whatever, give them my regards, that just shows his absolute <laughs> confidence in what he can deliver in the preceding whatever it was, you know, 50 laps. Like the man knows what he can do and there's no one stopping him. Yeah, that uh, that radio message just won the Grand Prix for me because he was still yeah. very grumpy at that point about the whole thing. He was grumpy all the way up until he won the Grand Prix. Um, and Checo looked like he was driving for Ferrari when he got out of the car. I don't know why Red Bull thought a red racing suit suited that because it looked like two Ferraris and, I don't know, an Alfa Tauri on the podium at the end. Well, that's our team-by-team analysis done and dusted. We are going to Abu Dhabi very, very shortly, so let's just choose our driver of the day from this Grand Prix. Campy, who took it for you? Ocon. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Good Lord. Wonders will never see this podcast. Never see. 
Cheesy drive. Well, mate, teammate. Look, Here he comes. Absolutely inadequate. <laughs> absolutely. You cannot help absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. This uh, Formula Cold One's idea, or do we just drink beers and talk about Formula One? Um, this is going well as an unintended consequence of where we're all at. Um, Freya, what about you? Who, did, who was your driver of the day? Charles. Charles Leclerc, you've got it for me this weekend. You're phenomenal. Yeah, Charles is for me as well. All right, let's go to our fantasy team name competition. Fantasy. 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 Las Vegas Grand Prix, I am spewing. I am pissed. I am no good, very bad, because first this weekend with 328 points was the prophet has spoken, who hasn't apparently Seriously? updated his bloody team oh, for bloody ages. Uh, you won. No, seriously. The Las Vegas like, Grand Prix. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, second, that's awesome. Bring, this shows how shit this Grand Prix yeah. is. Uh, second, bring back McGinley, three hundred and twenty-seven points. So only one point behind. And third, Gunther's bunch of wankers, uh, three hundred and twenty points. Some names that I found very, very funny this weekend. Thank you to you if you have changed them ahead of me reading them. Wind in a tornado. <laughs> One who can be saying the last week. Oh, I can also confirm I've kicked me missus off Instagram. She won't be on that anymore either. So. Uh, she's the only one keeping you in check. Are you no real? washing in your background today, mate. Uh, Las Vegas oh. let down. All show, no go. Wow, no, I'm sorry, Formula One. Uh, alas, Vegas. Um, last Vegas GP. F1 needs a beige flag, which Freya I thought was a, uh, yep. Um, I can do that. Shoeys at my place and Campy's tinfoil undies to, to wrap that one up that you could see hanging on the washing behind him in the last <sighs> door. To be clear, yeah. Campy asked me if he should move the washing or not before we started recording and I said no because I knew it Both would be hilarious. Both of you hilarious. are in the bin for that. I knew it would be hilarious percent. for everyone. Oh, my God. Insert um, a thousand vomit emojis here. Do you know what's very funny? I left you for I one a... weekend. I left you for one weekend. Not sure Honestly, you being back I this weekend like is any, any different. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Um, I, was, I... I, was a, I was a bachelor last week, so I was on my own. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> had pizza, I pour had my pizza own water. twice. Remember when I was yeah. four? Yeah. Awesome. Are you serious? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Good for you, Campy. I'm on your team. Uh, I finished 100th this weekend in Vegas and you finished first, which is really disappointing. Uh, overall, I'm 11th and you're 33rd, though, so that's good. Um, not many days until we go racing in Abu Dhabi. Uh, do yourself a favour, though. If you're in Australia, get yourself Disney Plus and watch Braun GP doco with Keanu Reeves, who is just absolutely fanning all over everyone he's talking to. Uh, it is really, really great. One of my favourite moments is when Flavio Briatore accused uh, Braun GP of cheating. Cool, Flav. No Course it is. Coming Flav. straight out of Reno and, and with 2008 and everything else. Straight into, that's so funny. But it is actually very good. I really enjoyed it. So get that around your face if you uh, enjoy that kind of stuff too. Um, up next. Can we get some solid Keanu Reeves quotes? It's great. It's just John Wick 5 at this point talking about Formula 1 because he, do- he doesn't dress any different to how he does in John Wick. I love He's Keanu Reeves. Such a dude. What a legend. What an absolute king. Um, yeah, some of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, oh, what a movie. Totally. I agree. Oh, totally. Uh, let's try and get Got him on the podcast. Got this morning, <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> 
We'll uh, we'll ask you to do your best Keanu Reeves impression in front of Keanu Reeves. Um, that's going to be the content that everyone's looking forward to. Okay, predictions for the Abu Dhabi race this weekend. Campy, I'm going to start with you to give our oh, phrase leaving. She's not even going to bother. Who is going to be on your front row, Campy? Front row? Well, it's second, third, and fourth, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Well, okay. So Max is, let's just be clear. Max will be, Max, Max will one, be first one. and first. Okay. Who's going to be second and third oh, I'm then? Gonna go, I'm going to go Carlos, yep. Oscar, yep. and then uh, Stroll. The thinking face that you have is just brilliant. Um, so that's your, is that your qualifying? Who's on your podium? Uh, Charles, Oscar, Perez. Ooh, and 10th will be Lando. <laughs> Default position for you. Freya, who is coming second and third in qualifying? Why am I talking? Oh, you're confusing me, James. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my front row for qualifying is going to be uh, Carlos and Science. And Carlos and Science, yep. Carlos and, and Science, uh, one and two. Okay. <laughs> Carlos. <laughs> Great. Carlos, podium. signs, and then Carlos signs his hair for one, two, and three <laughs> okay, when great. it comes That's to fair the enough. podium. That's uh, fair Okay, so we've got Carlos Verstappen. Um, that's my that's my front row. Uh-huh. And then my podium is going to be um, Verstappen, Alonso, Piastri. Okay, the 10th? Uh, 10th is going to be Albon. Okay, well, I think, I mean, obviously we're going to lock Max in for first and first. That makes sense. I think alongside him will be uh, Charles Leclerc. I just want to continue this Charles love. Uh, I'd love to see it as a double Ferrari podium. So uh, let's put Carlos and then Charles. And then in 10th will be Yuki Tsunoda. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for listening to Formula Cold Ones, um, the renamed episode of uh, I Wonder How Formula One feels at the bottom of this pina colada um if you enjoyed the episode if you want freya to have more boat parties on a sunday let us know you can join the discord uh that's a great place to join us for all of the on-track action across the all of the weekend and all the off-track action too uh as i said buy some merch if you would like to help support the show leave a rating review if you enjoyed it uh thanks so much we will be back this time next week for the final review episode of the year And who knows what kind of content we will be delivering to your face then. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening and watching. See you next week. I did this every weekend when we were like 18 to 24 with the girls. Yep. You know, get home from the pub. 18 to 24 (laughs) with the girls. (laughs) From 25 to 30 with the boys. No, sorry. I lived on a house about. <laughs> lived on a house. I lived on a house <laughs> in a house that was about a kilometre. Remember that time when house? We lived a kilometre from Main Street, Mornington. So, like, everyone just used to crash at our place. To the bay. Like, we'd have 20 oh people stay Friday, Saturday Jeez. night. So, that was awesome. And you had a shitload of headbands as a result? Well, I don't know about the headbands, but uh, <laughs> there's a few of those glow sticks going around at times. Sports Social Podcast Network.